Um, during recent meetings, I've been discussing the verses of Anma Vide, um, and the, the, the verse I've been discussing most recently is verse 3. Um, so I'll continue uh, discussing this, but I'll just uh, to pick up the context again. I'll just read the meaning of verse 3. What Bhagavan says in this verse is, um, Tanne Aridal Indri, Pinne Edu Arihil En. That means, without knowing oneself, if one knows whatever else, so what? Tanne Arindidil, Pin Ariya Enne Ulladu. If one has known oneself, then what exists to know? Um, uh, Binna Weegalil, Abinna Bilaku Enum, At Tanne. Tanil Unara Minum Tanul Amapakasame. When one knows in oneself that self which is the light that shines without separation in separate sentient beings, within oneself the shining of oneself, Amapakasam, alone will flash forth. Um, <coughs> this is the, uh, this is, uh, Arul Vilasame, the, uh, the shining forth of grace. Ahavinasame, the annihilation of ego. Imba Vikasame, the blossoming of, of happiness. So that is the, the meaning of the verse. But though the verse seems quite simple, there's actually a huge amount of meaning and implication in this. So to explain the first two sentences, I had um, discussed um various relevant verses of Ulugnapdu, verse four and verses nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and thirteen, and also verse twenty-seven of Upadeshundia, all of which are um uh, help us to understand the the implication of these first two sentences. So I will now take up from where I left off last time. Um the reason I've discussed all these verses of Uludhanapana Upadeshundia in so much detail here is that they explain exactly why he says and what he implies by saying in the first two sentence of, sentences of this third verse of Anmavide, Tanne Aridalindri Pinne Edu Arihil En. Without knowing oneself, if one knows whatever else, so what? Tanne Arindidil Pin If one has known oneself, what else exists to know? As he says in the first two lines of verse 11 of Ulurunapadu, Arivurum tanne ariyadu, Ayale arivadu ariyame, Andri arivo. Uh, not knowing oneself who knows, knowing other things is ignorance, except that is it knowledge, because nothing other than ourself actually exists. So all other things are just an illusory appearance. That is, since nothing other than ourself actually exists, knowing anything other than ourself is not real knowledge, it's only ignorance, because we're knowing what doesn't exist as if it existed. Um, 
this is why he asks rhetorically in the first sentence of this uh, third verse of Amavide, Tanne Aridal Indri, Pinne Edu Arihil En. Without knowing oneself, if one knows whatever else, so what? Thereby implying that knowledge or awareness of anything other than ourself is not is of no real value or consequence at all, because it is not real, being just a mental fabrication. Um, that is knowing something that doesn't actually exist but merely seems to exist is cannot be real knowledge because we are knowing we are knowing something as if it's existing but doesn't actually exist. So that is not real knowledge, that is only ignorance, according to Bhagavan. And as he says in the last two lines of the same verse, namely verse 11 of Uludunapadu, Arivu ayaku adara tanne ariya, arivu ariyame arum. When one knows oneself, the support for knowledge and yava, namely ignorance, knowledge and ignorance will cease. Because knowledge and ignorance about anything other than ourself exists only in the view of ourself as ego. And since ego is just a false awareness of ourself, that is an awareness of ourself as something other than what we actually are, it will cease to exist as soon as we know ourselves as we actually are. And hence, knowledge and ignorance about everything else will cease to exist along with it. This is why he asks rhetorically in the second sentence of this third verse of Amavide, if one tanne arindidil pin enne uludu aria, if one has known oneself, then what else exists to know? Thereby implying that when we know ourselves as we actually are, nothing other than ourself exists for us to know. Um, so the, the, what all that I've explained so far is, um, is the, the meaning and implication of these first two sentences. But now we go on to the third sentence in which Bhagavan says, when one knows in oneself that self, which is the light that shines without separation in separate sentient beings, within oneself, the shiny of oneself alone will flash forth. Um, so long as we are aware of anything other than ourself, there seem to be many different things, some of which seem to be sentient and others of which seem to be insentient. And all those things seem to be separate from each other. However, when we know ourselves as we actually are, all separation will disappear. And what will then remain shining is our self alone. Because what seemed to be many different things is only ourself, which is the one infinite and indivisible whole. As Bhagavan implies in the next sentence of this verse, pin. Uh, bin, sorry, binna virgalil, a binna vilaku enum at tanne, tannil unara, minnum tannul anmaprakasame. When one knows in oneself that self, which is the light that shines without separation in separate sentient beings, within oneself the shining of oneself will flash forth. Binnam means broken, divided, separated, distinct, or different. And a binnam 
means the opposite, namely undivided or not separated. So means the undivided light in separate sentient beings or the light that shines without separation or division in separate sentient beings. Implying, that the, implying the one indivisible light of pure awareness, which shines as I am in the heart of every weir. Weir means soul or jiva or sentient being. Since we as ego always identify a body as I, and since we see many other bodies that seem to be as sentient as this body seems to be, in our view, each separate body seems to be a separate I. So it appears to us that there are many distinct eyes. However, what shines as I in each living body is only the one real eye, which is indivisible. So it is only because this one eye seems to be reflected in many separate bodies, but it seems as if there are many separate eyes. <clears throat> so long as we are aware of ourselves as a body, we seem to be separate from every other body. But if we investigate ourselves keenly enough, we will be aware of ourselves as we actually are, namely as the, uh, the, namely the one infinite in, and indivisible light of pure awareness, which is what always shines within ourselves as our fundamental awareness of our own existence, I am. When we thus know ourselves as this pure I am, which is the one infinite and indivisible light of awareness that shines without the slightest division or separation in all the seemingly divided and separate sentient beings, all the seeming divisions and distinctions will be swallowed in the infinite brightness of that light, which will shine forth like a flash of lightning, as Bhagavan implies in this sentence, Binna Weya Galil Abinna Bilaku Enum at tanne tannil unara minnum tannul amma prakasame. When one knows in oneself that self, which is the undivided light in separate sentient beings, within oneself the shining of oneself alone will flash forth. As he implies by saying, abinna vilaku enum at tanne, um, that self which is the undivided light, we ourselves are the undivided light of pure awareness. So to know that light as it is, we need to know ourselves as we actually are. And to know ourselves as we actually are, we need to look deep within ourselves, thereby withdrawing our attention from everything else. <clears throat> that is, we who need to know ourselves as we actually are, our ego, the adjunct conflated awareness, I am this body. So within this adjunct conflated awareness, we, know, we need to know the fundamental awareness, I am, which is what we actually are. And hence, this is what he means by saying, when one knows in oneself that self. What he refers to here as Amma Prakasam, the shining of oneself, is the same light that he referred to in the previous clause as Abhinna Vilaku, uh, the undivided light, namely the one infinite and indivisible light of pure awareness, I am. Since the primary meaning of the verb Minnu is to emit lightning, and the secondary meaning is 
uh, of it is to flash or shine forth what he means by saying, minnum tannul amapkasame, within oneself, the shining of oneself alone will flash forth, is that clear awareness of ourself as we actually are, namely as I am I, will flash forth within ourself like lightning as soon as we know ourself as we actually are. <clears throat> Since this light of pure awareness shines as I am without the least distinction in each and every soul or sentient being, it is equally available to each one of us. And since we can investigate and know it as it is, just by attending to it keenly within ourselves, knowing it can never actually be difficult. So, aye atisolapum, anmavide aye atisolapum, are extremely easy, anmavide, atmavidya, that is, uh, knowing oneself, this light of pure awareness, are extremely easy. Since this light of pure awareness, which is what shines clearly in each one of us as our own being, I am, is alone what actually exists, it is the real nature, Swarupa, not only of ourself, but also of God and Guru. And since by its very nature, it makes itself so easily accessible to all of us, its shining within us as I am is grace. As Bhagavan used to say, God is always abundantly gracious to us because he is always shining in us as our own very existence or being, I am. So we, but we are not gracious to him because instead of yielding ourselves to the inward pull of his grace by lovingly attending to him in our heart, we resist, we resist that inward pull by rising as ego and rushing outwards under the sway of our Vishaya Vasanas, inclinations to seek happiness in Vishayas, objects or phenomena, attending to anything other than ourselves. Therefore, in order to avail ourselves of his ever-available grace, all we need do is to turn within to know or be attentively aware of Binna Vigalil, Abinna Vilaku, Enum Atane Tanil. In oneself, that self, which is the one undivided light of pure awareness, I am, that shines equally and impartially in all separate sentient beings. Um, so that is the third sentence. Um, and then he goes on to say, um uh in the, the next sentence uh arovlasame ahavinasame imbavikasame that's actually three short sentences that's the conclusion of this verse so the implication is the flashing forth of oneself as the light of pure awareness is the shining forth of grace the annihilation of ego and the blossoming of happiness um so he concludes this verse uh, with these three sentences. Arul Vilasame, the shining forth of grace. Ahavinasame, the annihilation of ego. Imba Vikasame, the blossoming of happiness. Thereby implying that this flashing forth of the shining of oneself, Atma Prakasam, the indivisible light of Vilaku, of pure awareness, as soon as we know ourselves as such, 
is itself the shining forth of grace, Arovilasame, the annihilation of ego, Ahavinasame, and the blossoming of happiness, Imbavikasame. The Tamil word Aru uh, means the same as the Sanskrit words Karuna, Kripa, and Ugraha. In other words, it means grace, compassion, kindness, tenderness, love, or benevolence, which is the very nature of God, God, Guru, and Atmasarupa, ourself as we actually are. And Vilasam means shining forth, appearance, manifestation, amorous play, playfulness, flirtatiousness, seductiveness, enjoyment, or beauty. In this context, the primary meaning of Aro Vilasame is the shining forth or manifestation of grace, because the shining of ourself as the indivisible and immutable light of pure awareness, I am, is itself grace. So the shining forth of ourself as pure awareness is the shining forth of grace as it actually is. Aro Vilasame can also be taken to mean the beauty of grace, in the sense that the full beauty of grace will become clear to us only when we know ourselves as we actually are. And it can also mean the amorous play of uh, grace in the sense that our shining forth as I am I is the culmination of the all-loving play of grace, which has been lovingly and tirelessly attracting, leading and guiding us on our journey back home to knowing and being what we always actually are namely the pristine awareness I am. That is, though grace shines eternally in our heart as the clear light of pure awareness I am, and though it is not only always pulling our mind inwards, but also by just being as it is, it is constantly working in its own infinitely subtle way to purify our mind in order to make us willing to yield ourselves to its inward pull. It is only when we surrender ourselves to it completely by turning within with heart-melting and all-consuming love, thereby allowing it to pull us back into the innermost depth of our own heart, that it will finally swallow us entirely in its infinitely clear and bright light of pure awareness. This swallowing of us entirely, thereby making us one with itself, is therefore what Bhagavan describes here as Arul Vilasame, the shining forth of grace, the beauty of grace, or the amorous play of grace. <clears throat> In the compound term, Aha Vinasame, Aha is a form of Aham, is, is, is the form that Aham takes in Tamil as the first word in a compound. And in this context, it means I in the sense of ego. Vinasam uh, is an intensified form of nasam, which means destruction or annihilation. So ahavinasame means the complete and utter destruction or eradication of ego. That is, since ego is just a false awareness of ourself, because as ego we are always wrongly aware of ourself as I am this body, which is not what we actually are, it will be eradicated as soon as we become aware of ourselves as we actually are, namely as I am I. <clears throat> However, even to say that it will be eradicated or annihilated is not quite correct, because when we know ourselves as we actually are, we will know that we are eternal and immutable and have therefore never risen as ego at all. 
So what is called the eradication or annihilation of ego is actually just the clear recognition that no such thing as ego has ever existed at all. <clears throat> if we look carefully at what seems to be a snake, we will see that, it's that it is actually just a rope and, there and was therefore never a snake. <clears throat> Metaphorically, we can describe this as the death or destruction of the snake, but it is not literally the death or destruction of anything, because what was always there, namely the rope, is not affected in the least and therefore remains as it always was without undergoing any change at all. Likewise, if we who now mistake ourselves to be ego investigate or attend to ourselves keenly enough, we will see that what we actually are is just pure awareness and uh, uh, and was never uh, but we will see that we are actually just pure awareness and we're never ego. Um, metaphorically, we can describe this as the death, destruction, annihilation or eradication of ego but it is not literally the death, destruction, annihilation, or eradication of anything, because what we actually are is not affected in the least, and therefore remains as it always is, without ever undergoing any change whatsoever, since we are eternal and immutable. Therefore, what is called the annihilation of ego is, is such a complete annihilation of ego uh, is such complete annihilation that ego is not only eradicated for all time to come, but eternally, which includes and transcends all times, past, present, and future, as Bhagavan implies by saying, uh, by saying not just aha nasame, the annihilation of ego, but aha vinasame, the complete and utter annihilation of ego. Imbam means happiness, joy, bliss, pleasantness, or sweetness. And vikasam means blossoming or opening. So imba vikasame means the blossoming of happiness. Because only when grace shines forth as our own real nature, the clear awareness I am I, thereby annihilating ego, the adjunct completed, and therefore clouded awareness I am this body, will we experience the infinite happiness that we always actually are? <clears throat> as Bhagavan says in the first sentence, in, in, sorry, as Bhagavan says in the first paragraph of Nana, Sakala Jiva Galam Dukkum Embadindri Epodum Sukumai Irika Virum Since all sentient beings like to be always happy without what is called misery, um Yavakum Tanidile Parama Priam Irum Irupada Irupadalam uh since for everyone the greatest love is only for oneself. Um Priyataku Sukame Karanum Adalalam since happiness alone is the cause for love. Um in order to, uh, to obtain that happiness, uh, sorry, um Manamatra nidrayo dinum anubhavikam tan subhavamana achukate adeya. In order to attain that uh, that happiness, which is one's own nature, which one experiences daily in dreamless sleep, which is devoid of mind, 
one self knowing oneself is necessary. Adaku for that, nana inum jnana vichara me mukya sadhanam. For that, jnana vichara, awareness investigation, called who am I, alone is the principal means. In order to recognize ourselves as infinite and eternal happiness, we need to know ourselves as we actually are. And to know ourselves as we actually are, all we need to do is to investigate our fundamental awareness, I am, by being keenly self-attentive. Since we are always clearly aware, I am, nothing can be easier than just attending to this awareness, I am, as Bhagavan explains in the next verse. So, aye ati solapam, anmavide aye ati solapam, are extremely easy, apmavidya are extremely easy. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Ramanaya. So this is the um, the conclusion of my explanation of uh, this third verse of Anmavide. Uh, does anyone have any questions to ask about this, or shall I should I continue uh, make a start on the next verse? Or yes, sir. Um, do Do we have any questions? Have any questions? No, sir. Um, no. No, sir. No. Okay. So, okay. So we still have more time, do we? Shall I continue on the next verse? Yes, please. Okay. The next verse is verse verse 4, which is the second last verse of um, on the Bidei. Um, <clears throat> uh, what Bhagavan says in this verse is, Panmadi Katu Areva, Jamadi Natam Era Emmagum Adinum Immagum Mikelidu. That means um, for the bonds beginning with action to be untied, to rise from a devastation beginning with birth, more than whatever path, this path is what is exceedingly easy. When he says this path, he's implying this path of self-investigation. And then he goes on to uh, uh, say, Sol mana tanuvin kanmadi siridindri summa amandu irika amma ahatil anma jyotiye. What that means is, when one just is, resting without the least action of mind, speech, or body, ah, in the heart, the light of oneself alone. That implies the light of oneself alone will shine. Um, um, <clears throat> uh, Nitanubhutiye, uh, the eternal experience. Um, Iradubhidiye, uh, fear uh, uh, does not exist. Uh, uh, imba in Bambodie, um, the ocean of bliss alone. So the, the, the meaning of the whole verse is, for the bonds beginning with action to be untied, to rise from the devastation beginning with birth, more than whatever path, this path is what is exceedingly easy. When one just is, resting without the least action of mind, speech or body, 
are in the heart the light of oneself alone. The eternal experience, fear does not exist, the ocean of bliss alone. So this is all, Bhagavan expresses all these ideas in a very compact way. So I'll just try and e- explain it in, a, that is, slightly paraphrase this to explain exactly what Bhagavan is saying here. For the bonds beginning with karma, that is the bonds of action and all that results from it to be untied, um, uh, and to rise or be resurrected from the devastation beginning with birth, that is to transcend and become free from the miseries of embodied existence, samsara, which begins with birth and ends with death, more than whatever other path, this path of Atmavichara is what is exceedingly easy. When one just is, resting calmly as pure awareness, without the least action, without the least act karma, that is, of mind, speech, or body, are in one's heart, the light of oneself alone will shine forth clearly as I am I. Having thereby uh, drowned and lost oneself, uh, namely ego, forever in the, this perfectly peaceful and infinitely clear state of pure awareness, it will be clear that this is one's eternal experience. Fear does not uh, does not or will not exist. The ocean of bliss, in other words, the ocean of infinite bliss alone will remain. Um, and so what, um, what Bhagavan implies here is we can untie ourselves from the bonds of karma and samsara only by eradicating the root of them, namely ego. And we can eradicate ego only by investigating and knowing what we actually are. In the first sentence of this verse, Bhagavan explicitly confirms the central import of this song, which uh, Murugana expressed in the Pallavi, namely that knowing oneself is extremely easy. Why it is so easy is explained by him implicitly in each of the five verses. And in this verse, he explains this somewhat more explicitly. We seem to be bound by karma and to be consequently immersed in the devastating state of repeatedly being born and dying only because we have risen as ego and thereby mistake ourselves to be a body which is born, engages in action, karma, and dies. So since ego is just a false awareness of ourself, we will cease rising as ego only when we know ourselves as we actually are. Therefore, to free ourselves from the bonds of karma and thereby to rise up from the devastation of birth and death, we need to be aware of ourselves as we actually are. And to be aware of ourselves as we actually are, all we need do is to keenly investigate ourselves by turning our entire attention uh, back within to face ourself alone thereby withdrawing it from everything else. One reason, therefore, why this path is much easier than any other path is that this is the only direct means by which we can know ourselves as we actually are. Whatever other path we may follow, it cannot enable us to know what we actually are until and unless it leads us to this path, because we cannot know what we actually are without investigating ourselves keenly enough, just as we cannot see what an object is without looking at it carefully enough. That is, 
since self-investigation, Abhimavichara, is the only means by which we can know ourselves as we actually are, the easiest means by which we can know ourselves as we actually are is to be is to focus all our interest, attention, and effort on investigating ourselves rather than wasting uh, them on trying to follow any other path, which can at best only lead us sooner or later to this path. If we follow any other path, we are wasting valuable time, effort, and attention, but we could put to much better use by following this path, as he implies in the first sentence of this verse. Kanmadi kattu areva, jemmadi natum era, emmagum adinum, immagum mikku elidu. For the bonds beginning with karma to be untied, to rise from a devastation beginning with birth, more than whatever path, this path is what is exceedingly easy. The first clause of this sentence, Kanmadi Katu Avira, means the bonds beginning with karma to be untied, loosened or opened. Or in more idiomatic English, for the bonds of karma beginning with Sorry, the bonds beginning with karma to be untied. What this implies is for us to unravel and free ourselves from the ties that bind us to action and all that results from it, namely the whole of samsara, the continuous cycle of births and deaths and all that it entails. Um, uh, we become entangled in these bonds as soon as we rise as ego, because we cannot rise, stand, or flourish as ego without grasping things other than ourself. And grasping anything other than ourself is an action. So the very nature of ego is to bind itself to karma and samsara. The first thing we grasp when we rise as ego is a body, a form consisting of five sheaths. And we continue grasping such a form so long as we stand as ego. Because as ego, we always experience ourselves as I am this body. So whatever actions are done by these five sheaths are experienced by us as actions done by us. Therefore, since we have created the bonds of karma and samsara by rising as ego, and since we sustain them by continuing to stand and flourish as ego, we can free ourselves from them only by permanently ceasing to rise as ego. We rise, stand and flourish as ego by attending to anything other than ourself, as Bhagavan implies in verse 25 of Uludunapadu. What he says in this verse is, Uru Patriyundam, grasping form, it comes into existence. Uru Patri Nikkam, uh, grasping form, it stands. Urupatri uh, undu mika ongum, grasping and feeding on, uh, 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 grasping and feeding on form, it flourishes abundantly. Uruvitu urupatram, leaving form, it grasps form. Hedinal otum pidicum, if seeking, it will take flight. Uruvatra payahande, a formless phantom ego, or investigate. Uh, what this implies is, that is, it's the, the subject of the, this verse 
is expressed only in the last line, the formless phantom ego. So what he but what he's describing in this verse is the nature of this formless phantom ego. The nature of this formless phantom ego is that it comes into existence grasping form, it stands grasping form, grasping and feeding on forms, it flourishes abundantly, uh, and leaving form, it grasps form. So grasping form is the very nature of ego. Since ego is formless, whatever forms it grasps are things other than itself. Here forms, Bowen uses forms in a broad sense. He's not just talking about physical forms. Any, any phenomenon, any object is a form. Anything that can in any way be distinguished from any other thing is a form. So in other words, all phenomena are forms. So the nature of ego is to be constantly grasping phenomena. First it grasps the form of a body as itself, and then through the five senses of that body and through the mind, it's constantly grasping other forms. Through the five senses of the body, it grasps the, the forms of the external world. And through the mind, it grasps all the internal forms, their thoughts, feelings, emotions, likes, dislikes, and so on, memories, perceptions, and so on. So this is the grasping form is the very nature of ego. But, and ego cannot remain for a moment without grasping form. So if it leads one form, it'll grasp another form. But the important sentence here is tedinal autumpidicum. If so, if uh, tedinal literally means if seeking, it will take flight. It's usually translated as if sought, it will take flight, but it's not actually, tedinal is not actually passive. It literally means if seeking, but it doesn't specify what is to seek what. Um, but the implication is of if seeking, if ego seeks itself, in other words, if ego seeks to know its own reality, how can it seek to know its own reality? Only by investigating itself, by attending to itself. And if it does so, it will take flight. That is, it'll run away, it'll disappear. Because we seem to be ego only so long as we're looking at other things, so long as we're grasping form, so long as we're attending to anything other than ourselves, we're looking away from ourselves at other things, and we seem to be ego. But if instead of looking away from ourselves at other things, if we turn our attention back at ourselves to look at ourselves to see who am I, we find no such thing as ego. That is, we seem to be ego only so long as we're aware of other things. If we withdraw our attention from other things and turn it back towards ourself, the one in whose view all those other things appeared, we will find no such thing as ego at all. Just like a, a, a rope seems to be a snake, only so long as we don't look at it carefully enough. If we look at it carefully enough, we'll see, oh, it's not a snake, it's just a rope. Likewise, if we look at ourselves carefully, and we seem, so long as we don't look at ourselves carefully, we seem to be ego. If we look at ourselves carefully, we see, oh, we're not ego, we are just pure awareness. Um, since we rise, stand, and flourish as ego by attending to anything other than ourselves, can we cease rising and attending, uh, rising and standing as ego simply by not attending to our, anything other than ourselves? Whenever we cease attending to anything other than ourselves, as we do every day when we fall asleep, we do subside back into our source, namely our real nature, Masarupa, 
But such subsidence is only a temporary dissolution of mind, manolea, and not annihilation of mind, manonasa. In order to eradicate ego, therefore, we not only need to cease attending to anything other than ourself, but also need to attend keenly to ourself, as Bhagavan implies in verse 16 of Upadeshundiya. What he says in this verse is, um, leaving, ex- or leaving or letting go of external phenomena, manam tan oli uru ordele, the mind knowing its own form of light, unme unichiam, alone is alone real awareness. So what does he mean by the mind knowing its own form of light? Its form of light is the, the light of pure awareness that shines within the mind as I am, lending light to the mind. So the mind's essential form is only that light of pure awareness, I am. The mind knowing that light of awareness is itself real knowledge. But how can the mind know its, its, own, its own form of light? So long as we rise as ego or mind, we know ourselves as I in this body. If we turn our attention within to know ourselves as we actually are, in other words, to know ourselves as that fundamental light of pure awareness, I am, we cease to be mind and remain at that fundamental awareness. So the mind knows its own form of light only by dissolving that form of light. As Bhagavan says in verse 21 of Uludunapadu, Unadal Khan, Becoming food is seeing. In other words, only when we are swallowed by the light of pure awareness can we know that light of pure awareness as it actually is. We can, in other words, we can know it only by being it. Um, the reason why we cannot eradicate ego by any means other than self-investigation is that ego is a false awareness of ourself, being what is always aware of itself as I am this body. So it cannot be eradicated by any means other than our being aware of ourselves as we actually are, namely as I am I and nothing other than I. And we cannot be aware of ourself as ourself alone um, by any means other than being so keenly self-attentive that we thereby cease to be aware of anything other than ourself. Therefore, since we can untie ourselves from the bonds of karma and samsara only by eradicating the root of them, namely ego, and since we can eradicate ego only by investigating and knowing (laughs) this path of self-investigation is by default a much easier means for the bonds of karma, but, but for the bonds beginning with karma to be untied and for us to rise from a devastation beginning with birth. It's, this is much, a much easier means than any other means whatsoever, because no other path is an adequate means to eradicate ego. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arana Chalaramanaya <laughs>